0: So we're back and we are moving on from Charles because we've decided we've talked too much about him. We are now talking about (laughs) (laughs) the flight family, just briefly. So we have Lord Alex Marchmain, who lives in Venice at the time of the storytelling uh, with his mistress, Cara. We have Lady Teresa Marchmain, uh, the children Brideshead, whose Christian name we don't really know. Mm -mm. He's the Earl of Brideshead, also known as Bridey. There's Julia, Sebastian and Cordelia, who is Mm -hmm. the youngest child. Um, and we already know they're a very wealthy old Catholic family. And Sebastian describes them, describes them himself to Charles. He says, "We're a mixed family re- religiously." I love this quote. Yeah, I love this quote so much. He says, Sorry. "We're a mixed family religiously." Bridie and Cordelia, fervent Catholics. He's miserable. She's bird happy. Julia and I half. Julia and I half heathen. I'm happy. I rather think Julia isn't. Mummy, popularly believed to be a saint, and Papa, excommunicated. <laughs> So they're living between Brideshead Castle, the beautiful Baroque family home, and March Main House in London.
1: Yes. Yes. You know why I love that quote? Why do you love it? Because I think it goes into that whole thing we were talking about before, about different Catholics. Yeah. And how they all, you know, they're all of the same faith, but they take it in differently and experience it differently. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, And I actually think there's this bit after that, or is it after that or before that? Um, Yes, actually, it's just after that, if you don't mind, if you don't mind indulging me, where he says, um, I wouldn't know which of them. So he says, Papa's excommunicated. And he goes, and I wouldn't know which of them was happy. This is about his mum and his dad. So mm. his mum's meant mm. to be a saint and his dad's excommunicated. And mm-hmm. he says, and I wouldn't know which one of them's happy. Anyhow, however you look at it, happiness doesn't seem to have much to do with it. And mm. that's all I want. Mm-hmm. I wish I liked Catholics more. Yeah, And this is one of my favourite quotes in the book. Charles says, but they seem just like other people. And he says, my dear Charles, that's exactly what they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and he's t- he comments a bit on ca- Catholics in England. So I'll skip over that bit. But he says... That's exactly what they're not. They've got an entirely different outlook on life. Everything they think important is different from other people. They try and hide it as much as they can, but it comes out all the time. It's quite natural, really, that they should. But you see, it's difficult for semi-heathens like Julia and me. But I always quote this. You know, the Unseen Hook's one of my favourites. That is also one of my favourite quotes because I think it is so true of the Catholic experience. Mm. People don't understand why Catholics care about things. Oh, yeah. um, and our version, our definition, it actually plays out in this book because it is not a conventional worldly happiness that any mm. of these characters mm-hmm. have. Mm. And yet for a Catholic, you feel that there's so much hope in it because it actually brings them to discover God mm-hmm. and to bring God into their lives. Mm. And that is the ultimate success Criterion for mm-hmm. a Catholic mm-hmm. to die in God's grace yeah. and to make it to heaven—completely different goal yeah. from any other—and you see they get mixed up with their goals. Julia's goals: uh, she wants to be successful and she's ambitious in her own way. You mm-hmm. know, she wants to marry really well. She wants to have a happy life. She wants she—that's what she thinks is going to get her happiness. Mm-hmm. Sebastian just wants to escape, and he says that all he wants to do is mm-hmm. just to be happy. Mm-hmm. He wants to just be left alone, really. Mm-hmm. And he he's trying to get it, and he sort of then you know gets into this you know alcoholism and all of that kind of thing to try to just get away from it Mm. to be left alone because he just wants to have Mm. that happiness. I
0: also liked um, the character Anthony Blanche, who is a flamboyantly homosexual friend of Sebastian's. Later becomes a friend of Charles, um, and he takes Charles out one time, Mm. and. It's in effect, I think, maybe to paint a picture for us of what the flight family looks like to the outside world, Um, but also as a warning to Charles. He says later on, I warned you all those years ago. Mm -hmm. He says, I warned you all those years ago of the flight family and their charm. It's the great English blight. It does not exist outside of these dab islands. It spots and kills anything it touches. It kills love. It kills art. I greatly fear, my dear Charles. It has killed you. (laughs) I thought that's interesting about the idea of charm. And I I wonder if it is just an English thing, but it's almost as though it's like it's it's just this it's this superficial front that sometimes I think Catholics can be a bit prone to, where um you need to look like everything's just all happy and fine and
1: mm. you know,
0: we're a big fat happy family, but actually on the inside we're just as flawed and as struggling as everybody else.
1: In a way, maybe it comes from this sort of concept that you're trying to help draw people to God. You feel this responsibility to draw people to God. And so in doing that you need to be an example. Yeah. You know, that's really strongly drilled into you. Be an yeah. example to people. Be an example to your siblings. Be an example to Which your Which is friends. important. It but is. also you need to be real. Exactly. I yeah. think sometimes people may mistake that sometimes for not showing not being vulnerable. Not yeah. showing people your flaws. Yeah. Not showing people your struggles. Yeah. Um you put on this as yeah. you say, a front yeah. to try to make it look like yeah. everything's okay, yeah. which makes you unrelated. But also, I think it's you know it's a cultural thing because they're yeah. Anglo- they're English, true, so true. it's that Anglo kind of yeah. facade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely, I feel an yeah. Anglo thing too.
0: Yeah, all right. So that's the flight family: charming, wealthy, Catholic, bit crazy. Yeah. Let's go on to Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> We've said he's beautiful. He's friends with Charles from Oxford, and we see pretty early on in the game that there is a dichotomy. Dichotomy. Within Sebastian, his moods can be very changeable. He goes between sort of flippancy and then seriousness. Mm. And I think Charles first notices that on their first trip to Brideshead. So mm. Sebastian wants Charles to meet Nanny Hawkins. And um, he, they drive there, it's a beautiful drive. You know, he, Charles has this amazing first impression of the place. Um, but Sebastian doesn't want him to explore the house. Mm. And He's happy for him to meet Nanny. He's also happy for him to see the chapel, mm. which was interesting, which is in a totally different style than the rest of the house. And I mm. haven't thought too much into this, but I wonder if that's something, if there's some symbolism there or some other meaning, whereas the the home, the family home is Baroque and the chapel is Art Nouveau. Yeah. Um, and so Charles, uh, when Sebastian was sort of reluctant to let him discover the home and um, and even to meet his family, um, Charles says he felt an ominous chill when, he, when Sebastian said, this is where my family live um, rather than mm. this is my home. Mm. Um, so he already
1: senses a distancing of Sebastian from the family. Um, but, you know, it's interesting too, um, now that we're on the subject of Sebastian talking about his Catholicism and his, or his religion, mm. um, I love this is another quote that I always go back to as well, is Charles is talking to him and he says, um, I suppose they try and make you believe an awful lot of nonsense, and mm. and Sebastian says, "Is it nonsense? Mm. I wish it were." It sometimes sounds terribly sensible to me, mm-hmm. and I feel like that again is just a really um, little nu- It's a really good little nugget of the Catholic experience, where sometimes you realise how insane what you believe mm-hmm. is. <laughs> You're like. What? It is insane. <laughs> I mean, I can say, like you know, I there's you know the fact that Catholics believe that Jesus is actually present in a host, a piece of bread, and then we keep him in a box, right? And we sit in front of that box, and that is God, and that's who God created in there. the universe. Yeah, the, that's the infinite God yeah. sitting in there. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy, and yet the truth. The, like you know the the truth of what we believe is so makes eminent sense hmm. um and so consistent i think when taken as a whole because yes. you can see these things individually
0: and especially you know either as a catholic who's maybe not had a you know had all the doctrine or all, well nobody's had all the doctrine yeah, yeah. yeah. um or, or as an outsider like coming to catholicism for the f- first time or just seeing bits and pieces of it you can go what like that's weird, yes. or like, you know, resurrection, that's weird, or saints, that's weird, indulgences, mm. that's weird. Mm. But when taken as a whole, it makes as sense. truth sort of has to be, then, yeah, then it then it makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, Sebastian, he goes to Mass regularly at, when he's at Brideshead, mm. and I, I didn't really pick that up until um, this reading. Mm. It says, Sebastian always heard his Mass, which was ill-attended, and Charles took it as a foible, like he didn't he didn't really think it was take it seriously. He didn't take it seriously. Yeah. And he mm. thought Sebastian didn't really take it seriously. It's kind of like he says, kind of like his teddy bear. Mm. Sebastian's faith was an enigma to me at the time, but not one which I felt particularly concerned to solve. Mm. And then later he says, I've since come to accept the supernatural as the real. So there's those little, little those little hints that sort of there's a a thread of hope going through the book. Mm. Um I think you you sort of see an uh, that, that struggle that Sebastian has, that dichotomy, whether it's guilt, I don't know, but, um, you know, Anthony Blanche says uh, when he's talking to Charles during his warning speech to him um, that when Sebastian was young at school, he was always in the confessional. Mm. So he said, Sebastian was so good. He was so charming. And all the other boys, like, they'd get away, that they'd, they'd do all these naughty things, but Sebastian never got in trouble. Like, he'd, he'd do naughty things, but he'd never... Get in trouble because he was so charming, and then he'd spend all this time in the confessional. Mm. And I'd wondered, I'd wh- I wonder why Sebastian's that. spent so much time. Like, it, was it because he he had, an, oh, maybe he was scrupulous? Did he have like an over um, too much sense of guilt unnecessarily, mm. or was he was he just reliant on the grace of the sacrament? You know, using it properly, whatever. I, I don't know, but
1: I thought that was an interesting.
0: That is um, an interesting observation. Yeah,
1: because maybe I mean he's clearly oppressed by his faith he feels oppressed he yeah. feels like he needs to escape I feel like it's very um associated with his mother yes yeah it's too closely linked for it's him. very closely yeah. linked with his mother um and he feels very he feels like he just mm-hmm. wants to get away mm-hmm. um from all of that yeah and the question is why yeah and, and to be honest it's not really answered it's never it's very opaque yeah in the book um He never says why. Mm. Um, That's a really interesting indicator, the thing about him always being in the confessional. Um, And there's this bit where Charles is talking to Bridie, uh, the Earl of Brideshead Bridie, um, about Sebastian becoming an alcoholic and he says, without your religion, Sebastian would have had the chance to Mm -hmm. have been a happy and healthy man. Yeah, yeah. Um, It does feel like, you know, I understand why he says that because it does feel like almost... His faith is something that has made him into this, you know, kind of crazy guy who just doesn't want to face reality. Um, mm-hmm. So it does beg the question, you know, like, what is it? Why is he like that? I have no theory. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, it does look, we could, there's the possibility, and certainly it's been the modern representation of it in the 20, 2008 mm-hmm. uh, version, which was that he is gay. Yeah, that Sebastian's gay, Yeah, um, that is not ever said. I mean, it is never imp- even, I don't even think it's really implied in the book that that is necessarily what Sebastian, that Sebastian has homosexual tendencies, mm-hmm. when there are very clear um, characters in the book who are gay, exactly. like yeah. Anthony yeah. Blanche. Yeah. Very overtly um, homosexual. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like Evan Wall kept that as a, you know, he didn't deliberately vague. Deli- yeah, I he felt kept that, that as vague. well. Yeah, yeah, I felt that as well. I mean, Sebastian ends up living with Kurt, that German guy, mm. um, later on in the book when he escapes England and lives in Morocco. Um, but you don't necessarily like he's really kind of caring for Kurt. They're both yeah. very at it's that. A totally different
0: relationship than that between Sebastian and Charles. Yes, totally and different. it's certainly
1: not. It doesn't necessarily feel like a romantic relationship. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, um, whether or not the same sex attract, there is some sort of same sex attraction, which make yeah. me makes him feel guilty. Or yeah. Or that he feels that he's being, um, yeah, his
0: mother's looking upon it with disapproving eyes or whatever. But it's interesting because, um, yeah, I, I have sort of thought about this as well. Like, why is he so miserable? Mm um and uh, have you ever watched that ted talk by johan Hari? so it's it's called um everything we know about addiction is wrong Mm -hmm. it goes into into this experiment um that a sociologist conducted um when this guy when his sociologist saw the data to date that had been done in experiments he, he sort of questioned it thinking well why has this been why has this experiment been modeled around a rat so it was on rats a rat in, a, in an empty cage with two bottles. And one bottle is a heroin-laced water bottle. The other is just regular water. And he was like, okay, why is there nothing else in this cage? The rat keeps going for the heroin and, and constantly going for the heroin. And, and the mm-hmm. conclusions from these experiments were always like, well, there's just a tendency, there's a chemical tendency in, in the rat, and in, in all the rats and in all of us, that we just want to be addicted to something. But this, this guy, I can't remember the name of, the, of this sociologist, he was like, okay, well, um, there's nothing else in this cage. We haven't modelled this experiment properly. Like there's no, there's, no other, there's no other fulfilling elements in this cage for the rat. Mm-hmm. So this guy built Rat Park, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like a giant cage which had all these other rats where they could socialise and they had th- like fun things to stimulate them and all this stuff. And in, in this experiment, none of the rats became addicted to the heroin. They all went for the regular water bottle, right? Mm -hmm. And so this guy, he said, what if addiction is not about the thing that attracts us to the heroin? It's about the cage Mm -hmm. and what's going on in the cage. It's really interesting. It's about the connections that we have with other people, right? And, And connections that actually fulfill us, which made me think of Sebastian and Charles really, but... Primarily of Sebastian because he's addicted to alcohol, and how he uses it to escape. He he's not he's not firmly connected to anyone. No,
1: he's not. He has
0: a he has a connection with Nanny Hawkins. He has a connection with Cordelia, Cordelia but he's not connected to the people that really he needs to be connected. Who are his parents? And I think that Sebastian felt that he was loved conditionally if he fit the mold that his mother had made for him Mm. so his cage his world was contingent upon he being in a like he behaving in a certain manner Mm. he was not able to just be himself and be flawed and have struggles and still be loved Mm. and he felt that even if maybe in his head he knew that his mum loved him and wanted the best for him and he's I think he does love his mum like he says he says something like sometimes like oh she's she's so sweet and she said you know she's a saint and like this Mm. and that but it's one thing to know it, and another thing to really
1: feel it, and I think they need to both be there. Yep. Um, so that's right. And I think then it also projects onto his faith because yep. as um, Cord oh, was it Cordelia? Cordelia says she says, um, you know, I feel like when people wanted to hate it, hate God, they hated Mummy. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it it's such a, it's so true that. Um, the parental that unconditional or conditional love that you feel from your parents you project that onto how god yes views you yeah and so yeah. just as his mother sort of oppresses him i think the catholicism oppresses him yeah. too so it's all entangled yes. yes so it's
0: not really the faith on his own which is oppressing no. him but because they're all interconnected it it just
1: it feels that way and, in fact, you get the sense, like even in that quote where he says sometimes it seems to make terrible sense to me, mm. it, you know, and the fact he still goes to Mass and he does, there are things, you know, he'll go visit the, the chapel and you can see he sort of, I think, had he been able, had the freedom to explore it in his own way mm. and by the end of it he does get there. Yes. Um, yeah. He actually senses that actually his faith is not the oppressing thing mm. that he has sort of been brought up mm-hmm. thinking that it is mm-hmm. because of the whole, you know, mother thing, mm-hmm. you know, the the interference or the way that his mother's parented him mm-hmm. um, and and imparted the faith to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Poor Sebastian. Poor Sebastian. <laughs> oh, it just, her heart bleeds for
0: him. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's it's something that you can see in all of us as well. We're sort of all, I think, prone to addiction in some way because mm-hmm. we all, crave connection and those mm. of us who are well connected maybe don't have any of these things but you know we can be prone to addicting be, being addicted yeah. to our phones yeah or to
1: food mm.
0: or to relationships some mm. particular rela- relationships with, which yeah. might not be great for us or whatever but you know, ultimately i think that that desire for connection speaks to our how, how we are made for god yes and that that's what we that is what we are ultimately seeking for Yeah. and can i just say that all through this book this time reading it i'm like this is like this is just St. Augustine. <laughs> yeah, is, true. There, there is so much Augustinian stuff in here. Yeah. Ah, like, I, I, oh, I, I love it. Yes. And I, only this time around, I was like, "Wow." I just and and even some of the quotes, like towards the end, um, where Charles says he learned um, words, ancient words, but newly learned. Mm. It made me think of that Augustinian quote: um, "Oh, beauty, ancient and ever new," or mm. something like that. I've got yeah. it towards the end. We can read that as well. But yeah. Um, Oh, Sebastian. And then what do you think of his redemption, his twitch upon the thread?
1: Sebastian's twitch. So do you mean when it came or? or? Well, so this was one that I found hard to reconcile because he dies an alcoholic. You know, he's always, he never gets rid of the alcoholism. So yeah. this is part of the non-conventional exactly. happy ending yeah. for yeah. Sebastian. Yeah. Um And... In the end he sort of you know, he loses the friend, I mean he, he was looking after the friend. I think that's sort of part of what um indicates he's starting to change or mm. he's starting to discover his faith mm. is, you know, there's little that little there's a little quote where um Charles goes to look for Sebastian mm-hmm. at the um, at the request of Lady Marchmain because she's dying at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um and she, he says so he's talking to him about staying with looking after kurt mm-hmm. and charles is sort of you know questioning him about it mm-hmm. um and then he says and i'll read from the book it's he says and then he as in sebastian added what if i'd paid more attention should have given, have given me, given me, the, me key. the key that yeah. i lacked yeah um we, yeah which is one of those little mm. things where you realize he changes mm-hmm. uh, charles changes at mm-hmm. the end and he and he does have realisations. But at the time I heard and remembered it without taking notice. Mm-hmm. Sebastian says, You know, Charles, he said, it's rather a pleasant change when all your life you've had people looking after you mm-hmm. to have someone to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Only of course it has to be someone pretty hopeless to need looking after by me. Yep. Yeah,
0: I had I had that quote as well. Mm. And and I think I think he's right. I mean he's got a sense of purpose now, looking after Kurt. But it's almost as though, you know, Sebastian has been completely humiliated in a human sense. Mm. He he has nothing. He is nothing. He wants to be he wants to be like a leper. He wants to be sent to the lepers or to mm. the or to the cannibals to serve them. You know, he thinks so little of himself and it's and it's almost like this thing of looking after Kurt is almost the last vestige of control that he has in his life mm. and, and, and ability to serve somebody else. Mm. And we, we know that there is there is fulfillment and happiness to be found in serving people. Um mm. but I think it's almost like, you know, we've talked about death before quite recently with someone that we know who has died who, you know, you, you come to a point in your life, you know, close to death where you are completely effaced. You've lost everything, you've given up. You've given up everything and before you're ready to die, there's one last thing that you have to give up. And I think for different people that'll be different they will be different things. It might be it might be control, it might be pride, it might be vanity, it might be mm. whatever. And for Sebastian, I I I felt like Kurt was that last thing he had to give up, or or, or the or the the ability that he had to be able to serve, to be of use. What was the last thing that he had to give up? And he did in the end. He became he became this drunken underporter, you know, at the monastery. But everybody loved him. He still had a sense of joy about him. I just felt like, and, and Cordelia says that the superior recognised the holiness in him. Mm. And and Charles says, but does he suffer? Mm-hmm. And and Cordelia says, yes, he he does suffer. Where the, I had the quote on it. You know, one is never holy without suffering. It's the spring of love. And she knows that Charles won't understand that. And she says, You're, he's in a very beautiful place, you know. Yeah, so yeah, that is right, yeah. almost to sort of, you know, make him, tr- you know, try to understand a little,
1: um, but it's totally different. Yeah. Totally different thing for Charles. Oh, I don't it's, know. Well, that's, that's another thing that I think is really amazing about this book is that, you know, we talk about non-conventional happy endings, but basically at the end of it, most of them are suffering. <laughs> but that this is the human condition. And it is actually <laughs> a very Catholic book in that way. Yeah. I mean, because we don't – we all know um, we have to undergo the suffering, um, but it is something actually that is beautiful and that actually – leads us to true happiness and achieving true peace Mm. um you know when when you hear the other um descriptions of sebastian you know by the monks and whomever um this was earlier in the book you know when he is getting looked after by the monks Mm. um one of the monks says to charles you know he's so kind he's so patient you know he's not like a young man at all he lies there and never complains and there's so much to complain of yeah um, he notices, see, that monk notices those little things yeah. about Sebastian, Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it took me a while, it took me a few reads to really get Sebastian's ending because I felt like, oh, so he never gets over it. He never gets over the alcoholism, you know, he never, he, it, it's such a, is he, is he really happy in the end? And I think that bit that you um talked about where they have that conversation where Charles and, um. Cordelia, have that conversation about suffering, hmm. really kind of hit home, especially this time when I read it, um, because you realize um, he is, you know, the alcoholism is still not a barrier to God's grace. Absolutely, it's like he could be an alcoholic, and he actually yeah. God uses it to bring him. I mean, not to bring him down, but he allows that sort of self-effacement, as you say, like that stripping of your his dignity, because she says you know one can have no idea what the suffering may be to be maimed as he, he is. is no dignity no power of will he can't say no to the the alcohol mm-hmm. but even then um god accepts or like god allows him to um, come to him in the way that he can mm. um which is you know as she as you were saying you know he's this random guy he'll sort of she says um this is Cordelia's prediction she said you know he'll developed little eccentricities of devotion, intense personal cults of his own. He'll be found in the chapel at odd times and missed when he's expected. And then, and this is her prediction, one morning after one of his drinking bouts, he'll be picked up at the gate dying and show by a mere flicker of the eyelid that he's conscious, conscious when they give him the last sacraments. And she said it's not such a bad way to go about life. Yeah.
0: Isn't it? Because, because he has he has put himself completely at the mercy of God. Yep. his Providence.
1: Yep. It's actually interesting too because earlier, um, she has a conversation with Charles about vocation. Another one of my yes. favorite yes, quotes. Yes, I love that one too. <laughs> <laughs> um, where she talks about because I and I know this probably belongs more in you know talking about Cordelia, mm-hmm. um, because she's so simple in yes. the way that she talks about things. Um, but she sort of says, you know, he. She says, "Oh, you know, uh, I hope I have a vocation, which is." Yeah I I hope I have a vocation and Charles says what what's a vocation? what's that and she says well it means you can be a nun yeah and basically a vocation is something which um if you don't have it no matter how much you want it you can't get be it, it. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you do have it no matter how much you try to run away from it you, you can't you can't get away from it <laughs> um and she says then you know which i thought was just such a such a simple but so true and so cordelia and so cordelia <laughs> Um, such an awesome um, description of what a vocation is because it's 100% that is yeah. exactly what it is um, but she says you know sometimes I thought Sebastian might have a vocation, but he's been running away from it yeah and she says Bridie thought he had one but he doesn't yeah yeah <laughs> um but you know actually now that you've um you know you mentioned this before about Sebastian fitting into expectations mm. and um being isolated and not having a connection which I thought was a really interesting point um, but I do, I did pick up on this time reading. Um, you know, when they talk about when Bridie thought he had a vocation to become a priest, mm. and then Lady Marchman got very upset because you can't have the eldest in the family become a priest mm. it's different to it's different to sebastian yeah. yeah it's different to, sebastian is telling charles about this and he's like it'd be different if i was going to become a priest but bridie he can't be priest because he's he's a he's the eldest yeah and so she was there trying to get everybody to convince him that he shouldn't become a priest and Bridie's just sitting there glumly talking about the will of God. <laughs> 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 He's such a funny character. He's hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really like Brady. But mm. um, but it did make me think, yeah, wow, Lady Marchmaine, she, she's okay with the will of God, but only when it's on her terms. When it suits her agenda. And she's got a lot of expectations yeah. and the way things should be that she built into how she parented those kids, all mm. of them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that really, that really sort of bolsters your point. Yeah, Lady much I know.
0: We should move on to Mostly her.
1: She's she a piece of work. No, she's not. I feel she sorry is, for her. She is, but she's
0: also I like feel sorry Yeah, for yeah. Her. it's sort of you love her and you pity her and you yeah. like you, you want to tell her like what are you doing and and you really empathize with her. Yes. And I think for me she's the most probably the most interesting character. I mean, she, Sebastian and you know, Julia I think is pretty clear-cut. Mm. Uh, she and Sebastian are the, are the most interesting, the most interesting yeah. for me. Mm. And I think especially Lady Marchmain, um, in the sense that, you know, as having mothers who have strengths and flaws, and then being mothers ourselves mm. who mm. have strengths and flaws and, mm. and struggles, mm. um, we can see part of ourselves in Lady Marchmaine yes. And and her struggle and her desires for the good of her children. And you know, I, I really feel for her wanting to set things up. So that her children will be successful
1: in life but also supernaturally, you know, like yep. you She just... definitely feels the weight of um of her duty well, I wouldn't say actually duty because I don't actually find her duty driven. Um which by the way, is how she is portrayed in yeah. that, that two thousand and eight version, which yeah. I didn't agree with because yeah. I don't think I don't think she is duty driven. I think she really is well intentioned. Um She's doing her best and yeah. it's the only way she knows how to do things. Yeah. I also think she's very Anglo-Saxon <laughs> in the way that she tries to influence things. So mm-hmm. she doesn't say things outwardly mm-hmm. and directly. She always does it through people trying to influence. Mm-hmm. And in a way it's more insidious that way mm-hmm. because then they really feel – because everyone knows what's going like on. Like they're part of a plot. Yes.
0: It's like almost it's a cultish. Target. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. Um, I think she is really, the um, the person who brings out this, her and Sebastian. Probably part of why you like them the most mm. is because they bring out this theme of freedom yeah. in the book. Um, Sebastian is the person who feels like he's not free, and yeah. Lady Marchmain is the person who seeks control. Mm. And actually, um, you know, in this memo that Evelyn Waugh um wrote when he talks about Lord and Lady Marchman's separation, he says the reasons for their quarrel is never specified, Mm. but it is implied that it derives from two sources. Firstly, a personal incompatibility, which in turn, which in its turn causes the internal conflict in the characters of two children, Julia and Sebastian, which is true. They are kind of half heathen. like Mm. They're sort of half their mum and half their dad. Mm. Um, They're trying, they still want to experience worldly success and worldly pleasures, but they feel this sort of um, dragging effect or oppressive effect of their faith, mm. or the twinges of their conscience. Mm. Mm. Um, and secondly, from Lord Marchmain's revulsion and flight from his religion, mm. which he identifies with his wife and his home, a revulsion which is overcome only on his deathbed. Mm. And it's interesting. That's true. He only comes home when he's about to die, mm. um, which actually probably is an indicator that maybe he is a little bit open um, to a conversion yeah. at the very end.
0: Well, he was. he was, I think... Either brought up Roman Catholic, or because he says at some point that when he married yes. Teresa, he told her, "You've brought me back to, to the, the faith, faith, of faith of my ancestors." Of my ancestors. Yeah, yeah. Mm. which I thought was a, a very nice sentiment. It's yeah. like you're bringing me back home. I, that's what. That's how. That's the. That's how I felt. Yeah, about the way that he said it. Um, but what his own upbringing was,
1: I we're mean. not hundred yeah. percent sure. Exactly, yeah. and and I think it sort of it. It's also how it 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 um that kind of revulsion that same sort of dynamic is there between Mar- Lady Marchmain and Sebastian you know in terms of this kind of flight from re- flight from his religion mm, you know mm. he sort of feels like he wants to just get away get away from that mm. um and it's this what is it about Lady Marchmain you know it makes you think why is it that people feel so um repelled by her but some people love her like she's got a posse of little like devoted
0: followers like adrian Porson and all who did like, they poet. say did love her yeah. yeah these people who just really admire her and, and think she's so just saintly and philanthropic perhaps or i, I don't know like i mean she's not totally unlikable
1: so, no she's not she's yeah. very attractive and charming yeah actually yeah anthony blanche
0: says mm-hmm. yeah um in his account of her he says First, he says she's like a witch or a vampire, but she's very beautiful, soft and gentle, and pious but powerful. Sucks the blood out of her victims. And he says you can't. <laughs> he said you can't blame Sebastian for being insipid, simple, and charming with such a murky background. Like after talking yes. about his about Sebastian's mum.
1: Yeah, there's it. There's the good. Um, there's that scene between Charles and Lady Marchmain mm. uh, when she's talking um to hear talking about sending Sebastian to live with the Monsignor. Mm. Um, who's going to keep watch over him and encourage him to hang out with other exactly. Catholics. And then Sebastian then Charles um, says to her, Lady Marchmain, if you want to make him a drunkard, mm-hmm. that's the yeah. way to do it. Yeah. In don't, instance, you, yeah don't you see that any idea of his being watched would be fatal? Yeah. And she says, Oh dear, it's no good trying to explain. Protestants always think Catholic priests are spies. And he says, No, 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 I don't mean that. He must feel free. Exactly. And she says, but he's been free always up till now and look at the result. Mm. And I just thought that is such, I like I felt, I do feel for her. Mm-hmm. I, that's why part of me is like, what else would you have done mm-hmm. if you were her and mm-hmm. you see your son self-destructing? You know, self-destructing. Um, and yet it also shows she doesn't really accept or respect his freedom yeah she doesn't understand it yeah um she doesn't get why he's doing it and she doesn't understand that part of what's driving him to it yeah is her approach yeah um because we're not meant that way human beings are not meant to be that way Mm.
0: Mm. yeah i mean I, i i i feel for her as well because sebastian is at the age i suppose where you know, there's a period of time in the lives of children and parents where the parents have to start to let go. Yes. And that comes, you know, as you know, late teens, early 20s, and you have to transition from being the one who has really made most of the decisions and, and, you know, through through the teen years, they gain some independence or whatever. Then there comes a point where you have to let go and, and just let them make the big decisions of their lives, even if it means they're going to fall into serious problems or serious trouble. I mean, that you have to let your children be adults and take responsibility for their decisions and and be the ones to make those decisions. And that must be so hard. You know, we haven't got, we're not anywhere near that yet, but, you know, you can just imagine how, you know, how heart-wrenching it must be to see your children doing the things that are precisely
1: what you have been steering them away from. Exactly. Which is why I feel
0: for her. Yeah.
1: You know, I, that's why, you know, at first, when I first read the book, I thought, oh man, this woman just does not know how to parent. Mm. You know, I, was quite, I felt I was quite harsh on her. Mm. Um, but I feel like reading the book a few times, I actually feel sorry for her because yeah. she doesn't get it, but she just wants them to be happy. Yeah. And although within her expectation, yeah. which I think is probably something she's not aware of. Um, yeah. But what I thought was really amazing about the book was that even though she's made mistakes, he, God is still able to use yeah. those mistakes and because br- he, he's more powerful mm. than mm-hmm. the trauma she's given her kids. You know, she has definitely traumatised her kids. That is what's, about, what's happened to Sebastian and it's happened to Julia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it drove her into the arms of Rex. I mean, we can't completely blame that on Lady Marchman. Mm. But, yeah, she, you know, and she then had to live a, quite a difficult life mm. um, after marrying Rex. Um, but... Even though maybe she made these mistakes parenting, God still uses it, mm. um, and mm. they're they're all able to have that conversion. And actually, when Julia has her conversion, she says, "You know, maybe it was the prayers that mum, mummy, yeah. mummy prayed for yeah. that which, have led to this moment. Exactly. Which maybe it was. Yeah, you know, which, which it probably will, was will never go wasted. No, you know, it reminds me of Saint Monica. Yes, she does remind me of mm. uh, Saint Monica, who was uh, Saint Augustine's mum who cried mm. and prayed for his conversion. Yeah, um, I
0: I have wondered how much of the way that Lady Marchmain is to behaves towards her children and parents that them comes from her own experience of being loved or not being loved. And I, and I thought um mm. I thought the conversation between Charles and Cara, who is Lord Marchmain's lover, mm. um. I thought that was really telling, and I find Kara to be very insightful. Mm. Um, and I really like her. Mm. You know, I, she's very she's very straightforward. She's real. She's, she's real. Mm. She's she seems generous. Mm. She's she's joyful. Mm. Um, you can see why Alex would have been attracted to her, mm. um, and she's she's very kind. But she says she she explains to Charles how much alex hates theresa now to the point where he will not even be in the company of people other people who have been her, her friends company, or been yeah. in her company mm. and he said she says to charles you know seriously with my heart that is how he thinks he is mad <laughs> and she says how has she lady Marchmain, deserved all this hate she has done nothing except to be loved by someone who was not grown up I have never met Lady Marchmain. I've seen her only once. But if you live with a man, you come to know the other woman he has loved. I know Lady Marchmain very well. She's a good and simple woman who has been loved in the wrong way. What
1: do you think that means?
0: Well, I think, I think, she has well exactly as Kara said. She has not been loved in a way that that she needed. And you know, I read. I read something once about liturgy, which is totally, totally like... It's okay, let's go, go there. Let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> totally different than, at the moment, this topic that we're talking about. But it explained how... I can't even remember what it was what, that I read or if it was something that I listened to. But it was explaining how... Like, why we have liturgy. And it's liturgy in the, in the sense that this is the way that God wants to be loved mm. and worshipped. Mm. And he's provided us... I guess through revelation and through tradition, with these these ways of doing things. And this is how he wants to be love, loved. The lover reveals how they want to be loved. And it's like, it's like understanding the temperament of your spouse or their love language. And for anyone who hasn't read about love language before, there's a book by Gary Chapman. Highly recommended <laughs> for married couples or anyone else. But it's it, it sort of, it's about... It's about finding out the way a person feels loved, and that might be, you know, through gifts or through words of affirmation or quality time or whatever. Like there's a, there's a few others, and if if a person is not loved in those in those ways, they can still feel loved, but this is the way that they feel loved best and the way that they want and need to be loved, really. And I feel that Lady Marchmain perhaps has not been loved in the way that she really needed. Mm. By her spouse, I don't know about by her fa- by her family and parents because it's not really talked about. Except to say, at some point, she says the men I grew up with were not like this, and I think she's talking about her brothers. Mm. Um, and if you so, if she hasn't received that herself, she can't give it. Mm. It also sort of speaks to that um, that idea that pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Have you heard that before? Yeah. It's a thing in psychology and whatever. Yeah it's so like inter intergenerational, intergenerational pain. trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if she hasn't been able to i guess deal with and and come to terms with and maybe reconcile things that she's had trouble with, um and if she's if she hasn't felt loved herself, she cannot give that to her children and instead they absorb in some way mm. the pain that she's carrying. Mm. And you know, I think that's a real thing. Like people people might go, "Oh, well, it's a very modern idea" or it's a bit, you know, a bit cushy yeah. or whatever but i mean you see it mm. you see it in real life yeah. um you know and and amongst our friends and family you, you you do see it and i think that that is that is something that lady marchmain carries and that that is impacting on her children mm. so when kara says she she has she's not been loved in the way that she needed uh, i think that's that is perhaps what she's talking
1: about mm. Um, And probably I think there's got to be a cultural element to it as well in terms of the way she was brought up. Yeah. And I'm sure that the way, I mean, fitting into expectations, given she was from an aristocratic family herself, um, I'm sure it must have um, played into how she thinks that things should be. You know, Mm -hmm. there would be a way that you have to be, to fit into certain expectations, particularly being in such a small circle of people, English Catholics, mm, mm. Um, Catholics who'd remained true to the Catholic faith mm. when the Protestant movement had happened, there'd be so few of them. Mm. Um, I'm sure that that would have played into how she wanted her kids to, to you know, to be brought up and how they you know become as adults. Like they would mm. need to fit into that kind of a mold, probably because she felt she had to fit mm. into that kind of mold.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Expectations, yes. There you know shot. the thing about projecting, and I know we've talked about this, but you know that quote from Cordelia about when people wanted to hate God, they hated mummy. Yeah. The other thing I loved about that too was I felt that was really real. I mean, mm. I can imagine so many people, yeah. lots of people I know who brought up Catholic and who now no longer are practicing Catholics. Mm-hmm. And part of what they always say is, "Oh, this person, you know, who was meant to be a good Catholic, whether it's a parent yeah. or." a teacher or someone they knew, well they were they were flawed. Mm-hmm. They did this. So they did super critical. They it's hypocritical Because if yeah. that's what a Catholic means, well I don't want any part of it. Yeah. But you're you're associating an entire religion with one person. And which explores. is ideal. Yeah. yeah. And nobody's perfect. That's um right. so I think I thought that was a really interesting observation um because I feel like it still rings true.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Just goes to show, I guess, how important it is to really well. One is true friendship mm. to really try to know the other person. Um, but 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 you know, ultimately for us and for Lady Marchmain, to really know your children yep. and your spouse. Yeah. But you know, as far as parenting goes, you, there can't be a one size sort of fits all approach to to all of your children. Every child, and you see that with the with the flights. They have all come out so differently, mm. and they've all essentially been under the same conditions. Mm. Perhaps Lady may had the same approach with all of them, but they had different reactions.
1: Ways, different reactions, and they probably because they had different ways that they needed to be loved. Yep. And because, as we said at the beginning, and as um, Evelyn Waugh says, you know, each person has a plan, mm. which is different. Mm-hmm. It's as individual as. There are individuals across, you know, the world. God is infinite. Yeah. And every single plan he has for every single person mm. is different. Mm. Um, there you have it. There you have it. Lady Marchmain.
0: Lady Marchmain, Lover. Lover. Hater. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for her. I it. feel sorry for her. She's a good woman. And I don't She's feel that – I don't think that she died a failure necessarily. I know, like, that, that quote from Evelyn Waugh said that. Maybe in her own eyes – she would have seen herself as a failure or all or, or her work as a failure. But, you know, if we see it in the context of the whole story, she's, she's not. not a failure. No. Because ultimately all her children have converted. Yep. Like they've had their own personal conversion. Right. and have And have realigned themselves with the will of God or, or the plan for him or whatever.
1: And interestingly, and I know we're going to talk about Julia soon, but, you know, when Julia is completely away from the faith, you know, um, married to a guy who's a convert to Catholicism, but not really. Um, just did it to please the family, which is quite funny, um, but sad also. Mm-hmm. You know, she says when she had the um, miscarriage, or was it a stillbirth? A I think stillbirth, it was stillbirth of yeah. her baby. You know, she had said, you know, I'd I'd wanted to baptize the baby mm-hmm. because I know it hasn't done the faith hasn't done me much good, but at least that's mm-hmm. one good thing I can, I can give, give them, give yeah, her. Yeah, and I think that's actually also something which still resonates today you know Mm. people who stray very far away from the faith and yet they they do recognize there's something pure about it something really good about it Mm. and they do want to pass that on to their children often there's a crisis point as you say a hook point um or twitch point sorry when they have children of their own and they start to realize hang on what do i want to give to my kids what is important in life? yeah which Um, leads them
0: to think well what is it that i actually believe yes and how how am I living my life? What is my world like? My worldview and my philosophy. Like exactly. every person essentially has a philosophy, even if they don't think that they do. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. Having kids forces you to be to come up front with that. Yeah. I think that happened for Lord Marchman at the, right at the end of his life. Yeah. And 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 part of that we, we could see because he was he was constantly not wanting to be left alone. He didn't want to be left in the dark. He didn't want to be left alone. He didn't want to face up with like, it was
1: sad. Yeah. It was tragic. His I mean, fear of, and, and there, there's that point where, you know, he's about to die and um, you know, they say, Wow, he's really got a, a he's got a will to live and they said and I think it was the doctor who said, I don't know if it's so much a will to live as not wanting to die. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's so exhausting for him yes. because he's fighting against his yeah, body which yeah. wants to die. Yeah. Um so interesting. It is. Oh so and all of that is in this book. Don't you think that's amazing? (laughs) Um, Should we move (laughs) on to Julia? Well, I think we'll have to take a break for now because we're going
0: to run out of time shortly. So we will be back with Julia and Cordelia and Bridie (laughs) and anything else that we have left on our notes. Yes. (laughs)